Welcome back to License to Spiel. I'm Thad Haight. And I'm Carl Wonders. And we are talking about the movie that's been a looming specter the whole time <laughs> we've done this podcast. Indeed. Spectre. Yes, we've finally made it to Spectre. Woohoo. Which may or may not be the last Bond movie ever made. Uh, well, okay, last Bond movie ever released, I should say. <laughs> there is another one that, oh, I mean, <laughs> we keep hearing it's been made. Uh. Yeah. As, as a matter of fact, uh, as we record this, the previous, between this recording and the last one, we got the news that it's now October of 2021. I believe that's the <laughs> third time that we have yeah. had to revise that date between two episodes. Correct. <laughs> Just freaking put it up on the internet for rental. Yeah. Oh, for crying out loud. They're, anyway. They're, they're not going to. No, they're not. I'm worried that means the movie's not very good. That didn't stop uh, HBO with Wonder Woman 2. I still haven't seen that, but yeah, I've heard things. I, I It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't amazing. It was not as good as the first. Well, I guess the question is, will No Time to Die be better than Spectre? God, I hope so. Well, because yeah, so, I mean, Spectre <laughs> came out in 2015, so mm -hmm. we are now have now tied, I think, for the longest gap between yep. movies. We're back where the you know, the gap between License to Kill and Goldeneye, right? Yeah. Six years. Six years. Yeah. And God knows if it'll actually come out in this fall. <sighs> well if they're if they're hoping for a theatrical release that's gonna make money, I bet it doesn't. <sighs> that's still up in the air. But mm -hmm. yeah. Um I'll I mean I I realized that I was saying this you know, a couple months, uh, like, ten months ago last year, that, like, oh, that's still up in the air. Maybe they'll be able to have movies in the fall. But, like, I feel like it's more likely that they might be able to have movies in the fall this time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Depen it all depends. We'll see. we'll see. Well, if we're still finding other things to watch by October, maybe we'll get to do a live No Time to Die episode. <laughs> We can always bring it back, even if we've been silent for months. Or Indeed. we may not have released our, any episodes yet by then. Well, we could be like No Time to Die. Just keep <laughs> pushing it off until we can get around <laughs> to doing it. All right. So anyway, Spectre. Yes. So Spectre was the second film directed by Sam Mendes. He comes back from Skyfall along with, well, all the writers from Skyfall. John Logan, Neil Purvis, and Robert Wade, and some guy named Jez Butterworth. And <laughs> to quote... Uh, to quote Fargo, that's a name. Is that Mrs. Butterworth's husband? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> he he wrote something else recently, and I can't for the life of me remember what it is now. But so so interestingly, um, you mentioned Sam Mendes directed this. Mm -hmm. Um, they were the original plan after Skyfall came out was to do a another two parter. Um, they were going to release a movie in 2014 and another movie in 2015. With this, with as a two-parter with this basic story, but Mendez was working on another film and couldn't do that, so they changed it to one film in 2015. Interesting. I this is already a long movie. Yeah, can you imagine if this had been two movies? <laughs> I mean, it, it does feel like there's two things going on here that get shoehorned together. Oh yeah, absolutely. So maybe that would have worked better, but. I don't know if I need another movie of this. So uh. <laughs> I will say, uh, we've been we've mentioned multiple times throughout the run of this podcast that neither of us care for this movie. Mm -hmm. It had been probably 
four years or more since I've last seen it. I still don't like it. Yeah. But I don't think I hate it as much as I did when I first saw it. You know, I feel the same way. Uh, I don't remember the last time I saw this movie other than maybe when I bought the Blu-ray just to see if it played. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I remember thinking that this is probably one of my least favorite Bond films, and I still rank it probably in the bottom ten, but I don't know if I put it in the bottom five anymore. It is way better than Diamonds Are Forever. Yes. (laughs) I would watch this, yeah, Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die, Octopussy, yeah. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) And it's a very well-made movie, other than a few issues here and there. I know you have one of them. Um, Oh, yeah, it's just everything is brown. Yeah. Like someone's wearing one of those some of those like orange sunglasses. And watch is <laughs> this what it feels like. It's like you're wearing those orange sunglasses to watch this movie because yep. everything is tinted with sepia. We were talking before we started recording that it even goes as far back as the very beginning with the MGM logo and the Columbia logo. Those are washed out in sepia tones yep. too. For <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. Th- this movie is certainly la- missing Roger Deakins uh, as the cinematographer who did a great job, I think, with Skyfall. And uh, he didn't come back for this one. I, I don't know if he was doing Blade Runner at that point or not, but probably not because Blade Runner was when? 2018? Anyway, doesn't matter. Yes, I think so. Um, oh, and I should go back because I didn't remember what poor Jez Butterworth had written before. Uh, he co-wrote The Edge of Tomorrow, which if you've seen that. I love The Edge of Tomorrow. He's co- he's done he's done other things, but the two ones that That's stood out to me a is a way better movie than this. Yeah, as as two things that stood out to me were The Edge of Tomorrow. He also co-wrote uh, Ford versus Ferrari from 2019, which is also a good movie. So, I have not seen that, but I'm, I've been meaning to. Yeah, it's good. Edge of Tomorrow, I I really love. I mm-hmm. I feel like it was sort it was very underrated. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Sort of like snuck in under people. I mean, I remember there were a lot of trailers for it, but I I think a lot of people didn't see it. And I thought it was quite good. And then they, like, tried to rebrand it when they released it a home video, so they renamed it to Live, Die, Repeat, which I think is yeah, a dumb name. That's a terrible name. That's a bad tagline. <laughs> yes. But, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed Edge of Tomorrow. Um, I thought I thought it was, you know, Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt were both excellent in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Now, speaking of movies where people were less excellent, Inspector... Uh, <laughs> We do have a really nice cold open. I like this yep. with the Dia de los Muertos and the the physics-defying building and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, it's fun. I, I you know, I'm going to be nitpicky here. I'm bothered by the idea that they're going to do this long take to start the sequence, but you can clearly tell where they cheat. Yeah. Which I didn't the first time I watched it, but the second time I watched it and the last time I watched it yesterday, I was, up. Oh, that's where they made the cut. Or, you know, it happens, I think, twice. And it's a bummer, but... It's uh, a uh, technique that Mendez would go on to use to great acclaim in uh, 1917. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I believe... Which probably has more than one cut, but only has one apparent cut. Yeah. And I like... I mean, I, I like the idea. I like the fact that, you know, they're clearly shooting in this location. And this is more interesting than most of the movie, to be honest. Yes! Yeah, honestly, that's my problem with this movie. It's not terrible, but it's so boring. Yeah, yeah. There's so much that I just can't get interested in. Well, I mean, for me, I think it's 
an interesting movie up until the midway point or so, and then you find out what it's building to, and it's like, oh, that's it? Okay. Yeah. We'll get to it, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like this going into the hotel. She's like, what are you doing? And he just goes out the window. He's like, he'll be right back. He'll be right back. I wonder if he did go back. I don't know. I'm going to guess not. Probably not, yeah. Well, no, because he she... flew away in the helicopter. Oh, that's true. He did, yeah. <laughs> and she probably wasn't still there after the building next door blew up. It, it's like the end of Airplane where the last one, is, the last shot after the credits is her laying there like, I'm going to give her another five minutes and then I'm going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like how he lands on a couch. I enjoy that. Yeah, that's cute. I mean... Obviously, there are a bunch of instances where he should have just died here, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. I like it. The helicopter thing. Like, uh, can helicopters do the things that that helicopter was doing? I don't think so. Um, my only note of this section is physics. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> the barrel roll... Alright, I don't think helicopters can do that, but that seems to be within the realm of aviation, like flying vehicles can do that when it goes flying vehicles it, can i don't not helicopters i don't think a helicopter no. can no but then when it does the nose up backflip thing see i feel like that's more realistic because a you helicopter so? can okay. go yeah so I, a helicopter can go nose up so i think like mm-hmm. if you get enough momentum you probably could do that although you're probably just as likely to stall and just fall while upside down but I think if you have enough momentum, it's theoretically possible to do Okay, that. but not the barrel roll. Yeah, I mean... The barrel roll does not seem plausible at all to me. There's probably a special feature I haven't seen to see that if they did any of this for real or not, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I like, I like the fight up there in the helicopter. Yeah. Um, gotta love a good helicopter fight, and a lot of the time it is, you know... If it's not Daniel Craig, it looks enough like Daniel Craig that you can't tell. Yeah. There's Which no, is, you know, better than uh, no some bad helicopter fights I could name. Yep. Oh, that reminds me, speaking of bad wigs and doubles, uh, you know, unfortunately we have to mark the death of another Bond alumnus here, the stuntman Remy Julien, who was the driver in a lot of these older Bond movies, including that scene in uh, A View to a Kill when he's driving the half of a car with the bad wig on. <laughs> nice. He unfortunately has passed away this week, past week. That's a so shame. Yeah. But yeah, your, your comment about... <laughs> Stuntmen who look like the actor kind of made me remember <laughs> that. I'm amazed at Bond's observational skills during this fight that he notices the guy's ring as he's beating him up and takes it off his finger before killing him. Well, he, I think he saw him show the, when, Maybe. when he's watching through the scope earlier, he sees him show his ring to the other guy in the room. Mm-hmm. So I think he already was aware of the ring. Okay. But yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, and you, you commented on the sepia... Of, mm-hmm. of the movie uh, one beef I have and we didn't really talk about it last week the Sam Mendes films brought Thomas Newman on to do music he recycles so much music from Skyfall in this movie yes any any of the fight scenes or action scenes is straight up redo from last week which I found disappointing but anyway including this fight in the in the helicopter speaking of music that I don't really like I don't like the theme music oh god and it won an Academy Award yeah it yeah I like the instrumental music a bit okay sure especially the way it goes into it when sam smith isn't singing falsetto it's not terrible (laughs) but oh man like
I think with a different singer, it could have been fine. This could just be me not liking Sam Smith and his style of singing. Because this, yeah, this is what he does. And I, I think the visuals are fine. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's pretty on the nose. <laughs> but And to give it credit, I will say that the song does fit the story of the movie really well. Whether I like that or not, which I don't. Uh, mm-hmm. it, but it does go with the movie. I'll give it that. It's, it's not one of those theme songs that makes absolutely no sense at all when you listen to it. So I sure. guess it has that going for it. But. Yeah. So, all right. So then we get Bond getting chewed out by M, which mm-hmm. rightfully so, because he yeah. created an international incident. Mm-hmm. And, you know, M is grounding him and sending, and we meet C for the first time. Yes. Played by Andrew Scott. Mm-hmm. Who most people, I think, at this time knew him from being Moriarty and Sherlock. Yes. Uh, this, is, this is pre-Hot Priest by a few years. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I, I imagine most people now know him from Fleabag. Okay, sure. Yeah, no, eh, that's fair. I like him better in Fleabag than I do in this. Yeah, I mean, so... <laughs> I just watched, or just finished the second season of His Dark Materials. Uh, uh-huh. And I don't know if you know the book, or... Oh, uh, yeah, uh, I mean... I do, but it's been like a decade or so since I read it. Yeah, so Andrew Scott is in, I think he turns up briefly in the first season of His Dark Materials. He plays um, Colonel John Perry, who's the father of the kid uh-huh. in, in, in the book. and in, in, in the Ironically, show. okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So I, I think he does well. You know, he's, he shows up as Jopari, is the main part, his, what he's mainly known as in the story. I'm realizing he does the same thing all the time. And I think he does it really well, but he he has this way of emoting and things that feels very similar, and he does it in this movie too. Um, I like him. I wish he had more to do in this movie. To be honest, that didn't really go anywhere, did it? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. No, I, okay, I can see that. I I don't think he's terrible in this movie. No, and this whole thing with C about how there are people in the government or wherever, who think that the concept of paying people to go and assassinate other people and work as spies is outdated. And yeah. they need to modernize the Secret Service, essentially. Or not the Secret Service, the... You know. I mean, that's kind of the stuff that M was saying last movie. Right, yeah. 
because because M was M was this guy, yeah, in 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 Skyfall until he realized no, I actually need people like Bond, and this is much more of an interesting story to me. You know what the future of MI six would be in. I, I'm not saying it would make a great movie, but you know what sure. does a modern MI six look like and the implications That's... of that. And it's very interesting to hear, you know, think about that, especially when, you know, we have M's office, which is very much not modern. Right. He's still missing his second padded door. But So also, in this, the very beginning, M shows Bond's newspapers talking about the incident, and then mm-hmm. he's talking about how he's going to have to explain to C how one of his agents decided to potter off to Mexico, <laughs> which... I don't know, maybe that's a real phrase people say in England. I don't know. But all I can think of, this is Voldemort saying Potter off. And that's yes. clearly a, <laughs> a joke. Yeah, no. I Yeah, I like that. <laughs> okay, so then Bond goes to Q. Oh, I'm well, sorry. Well, First, well, we have Money Penny. Yeah, well, Bond goes to his apartment. Well, he will go to his apartment. Well, yeah. Oh, oh right. Q yeah, is yeah. later, you're right. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, Bond meets Money Penny. Money Penny tells him she, she, he has his effects to give him from the after the forensic work at Skyfall, and he's like, "Nah, don't give them to me now. Come to my apartment tonight." Mm-hmm. It's like, and she's surprisingly okay with that. Right. So, th- okay, <laughs> we have Bond's apartment, and I get it. We the idea is that he's never home, and that's why all his stuff is just sort of sitting wherever. Right. But like. He could have at least gotten, like, a coffee table to put the TV on. <laughs> at least it's not in a cardboard box. Yeah, The floor is better than a cardboard box? Well, no. Well, I don't know. But, okay. This is part... This is where the entire plot of the movie sort of falls apart for me. M's last message to Bond to be sent to him on after his death. After her mm-hmm. death. Yep. Is... We should say this is old M, not new M. Uh... Yep. <laughs> yeah it is to go find this guy kill him and then go to his funeral so like i realize that that is to set off this whole thing and get bond to see specter and everything but that means that m already knew all this mm-hmm. and was like yeah we'll just let specter go until i die and then they have to get taken care of what yeah it's it's almost like they didn't have the legal right to say Spectre when they made Skyfall. <laughs> yes. Quite. Which we'll get back to that. Yeah, I mean, I like I'm glad we get to see Judy Dench, mm-hmm. albeit very briefly. But this makes no sense at all. No, it doesn't. Um there's a lot in this movie that doesn't make in any universe, sense. In universe it makes no sense at all that M would have just known about this and let it decided to keep it secret and not do anything about it until after she died. So let's go back to Quantum of Solace briefly. Uh-huh. Because later on we run back into Mr. White. Uh-huh. And, you know, M is ranting about, you know, we have people everywhere, and that's when she's like, you know, Floris, use that line and all that uh-huh. stuff. Like, I understand wanting to reclaim tropes from the free the series, but if this were Quantum, this would make much more sense. It would. Because we already knew about Quantum. In fact, we don't hear about Quantum ever again. Um, they briefly mention because, Quantum in this movie. Sure. But it's obvious knowing that Quantum was a stand-in for Spectre because they couldn't say Spectre because mm-hmm. Kevin McClory wouldn't let them say Spectre. Right. And then when Kevin McClory dies and the rights go back to you know, the people at Eon Productions or whatever, now they can do Spectre, so they're going to retcon 
all of this nonsense to excuse the fact that they couldn't say Spectre for how many years. Mm-hmm. And it's just dumb. Yeah, because Quantum is apparently a part of Spectre. Right. Yeah. Okay. No, no. <laughs> it's not. It, there, there's... Yeah. Yeah. Any, anyway, we find out that for some reason Bond is going to see Q on a boat with uh, Tanner here. For some reason, yes. Yeah. Well, that's because Q has got his... Has, it didn't feel safe in his other place, so he wanted to... Also, yeah. so, so we can see the brand new headquarters. True. With that... Well, that's true. We have uh, to go here's see... where I should have put that note. Uh, with the... <laughs> With that really tall spiral staircase with a with an open center, which I'm sure won't come up later. Never. No way. <laughs> Tanner's lost a lot of hair in between these movies. Um, yeah. Oh, no. Tanner's, <laughs> yes. Tanner's hairline has been disappearing throughout the entire run of these movies. Uh, <laughs> and, uh... So this, this honestly, like, with the boat in the Thames and going under the tunnel, like, it reminds me a lot of The World is Not Enough, actually. Yeah, with the boat chase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the boat comes back later. Mm-hmm. So, And I, I like the scene with Q, other than the stupid smart blood they're going to do. Uh, yeah, let's, um, let's, let's talk about Let's the complain blood. about the smart blood for a second. All right. <laughs> um, because, just no, that's not yeah. a thing. That can't no. be a thing. That doesn't work. That's not how blood works. That's not how technology works. That's not how tracking devices work. None of this is possible. <laughs> no. I mean, Bond is going to have a massive infection in his arm, in his bloodstream right now. Yeah, if you put foreign uh, substances in your blood, you die. Yeah. That's actually, that's, that's how blood works. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> called sepsis. Um, yeah, exactly. And... Even if you somehow manage to put foreign substances in the blood and not die, how are they transmitting? <laughs> in all directions, to all satellites everywhere. Yeah, like, no. Uh, the next movie we find out that Bond has terminal cancer from the smart blood. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Bond has terminal cancer, it's from all those cigarettes he smoked back in the 60s. Well, sure, yeah. Yeah. But but what about all the antioxidants from the alcohol he's been drinking? Oh, that's true. That makes it better. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why it's sepia, because of the... His, his liver's bad. No, uh, no. You're seeing it through his cirrhosis <laughs> <in> your eyes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you know, why not? Uh... But yeah, no, smart blood is not a thing. But no. we'll accept it for this movie, I guess. Not to mention the fact that Smart Blood does absolutely nothing in this entire movie. No. Like, the only time you see the Smart Blood useful is for the gag where Q looks and sees that he's in Austria and says, Oh, he's in Chelsea right now. Yeah. That's the only time the Smart Blood is actually used. Right. Because uh, <laughs> early on, Q's like, Oh, it's going to take a few days for it to start working. Well, he's and only that, saying that so that Bond can... No, I, well, I know that. But so they're not going to use the smart cats. blood for a few days. And and then, you know, later on, the M says, delete all the smart blood. So... But, like, Bond still has this stuff in his blood that's he transmitting. Does. And it's... I mean, unless he goes through, like, full dialysis, I don't know how you get it out. Oh, that's going to be a scene in the... Well, isn't the next movie, like, three and a half hours long or something? One of the scenes is just going to be him di- getting his smart blood removed. <laughs> For like 45 minutes. Oh, dear. I don't think it's quite three and a half hours. It's long, though. I know it's that. A, it's, it's, it's a long movie, yeah. This was a long movie. 
This movie is two and a half hours long, and that is way too dang long for this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I, uh, Casino Royale isn't even this long. But at least that one didn't feel super long. Right, because it's good. This is, yeah. Okay, no. No Time to Die is two hours and 43 minutes long. Oh, man. Why? I mean, I just watched the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven over the weekend, and that's like, <laughs> that's like three hours and... 20 minutes or something so you know you can have a decent long movie but Mm -hmm. yeah i mean look at the extended cut of return of the king is over four four hours hours. yeah i'm not entirely convinced it needs to be but okay sure but it's not like i'm never even having seen it multiple times i'm never bored watching it for four hours that's fair i was bored watching this thing uh yeah anyway back to Bob. how how long does it take to drive to rome i don't know hmm. but why did he even need to steal the aston martin couldn't he just have driven any old car does he is the only car he owns the goldfinger car that seems to be the implication that seems unlikely yeah so interestingly the aston martin developed the db10 specifically for this movie really yeah how thrilled were they when they like weirdly bolted those analog switches <laughs> i don't know onto the dashboard they also destroyed 38 million dollars worth of cars in this movie <sighs> that i believe including quite a few db tents yeah <laughs> but he you know he steals the db10 from q and get ends up at rome to this guy's funeral we, we see monica bellucci who's totally wasted in this movie yes ah <sighs> And I remember a big deal was made about her being in the movie because she was older than Daniel Craig. Yes, because, I remember that as well. Because the media's ageist. Mm-hmm. And was, I think she was, what, 50 or something like that in, when they made this? And uh, So, speaking of Daniel Craig's age, there's yeah. this weird thing where like he looks both older and younger than he did in the last movie. His hair is a lot grayer for whatever reason. Right. And I don't know if it's just the way they've cut it, because I've... And you never know with movies, but, you know, I've seen him in other movies. He looks older in this than he did in Knives Out. Yes, he does. And I don't know why. And that that's part of my whole issue with the way they're playing Bond, is they it seems like they, they had conceived this four-movie arc for James Bond. And I'm assuming the plan is they're going to reboot everything over again when they cast somebody else. Sure. Uh, unlike what they had been doing previously, where they just kind of kept going, and there were there wasn't a lot of continuity between films, right? So, yeah, and this, the fact that No Time to Die even exists kind of undermines ninety percent of this movie. But maybe that's not all. A bad four thing. of these movies could have been Daniel Craig's last movie, and it would have worked in the story. Yeah, so. yeah, I could see that. I mean, it would have been a little odd to do it after Casino Royale with the way they ended it, but mm-hmm. it could have happened if they had just ended it slightly differently. And the same for uh, Skyfall. Yeah. Well, even Skyfall, the way they ended it, that could have been the last one. Well, it could have been the last one for Daniel Craig, and then they yeah. could have brought in somebody else and picked it up mm-hmm. from there. Yeah. It's just a weird... Yeah, anyway. But yes, I agree. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I really hope I liked it, No Time to Die. I want to mm-hmm. like No Time to Die. Yep. But... We'll see. Maybe someday I'll get to see No Time to Die. <laughs> They'll so, have already made the next movie by the time they get to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so Bond, yeah, Bond 
saves Monica Bellucci from being assassinated. Mm-hmm. Which I, I actually kind of like. I do actually, I do enjoy that scene when she walks into her house and she walks past the guy. And Yeah. Like, I actually, I really like that scene. Mm-hmm. And she tells him basically what he needs to know to for him to meet up with the organization her husband was part of. Right. And uh, and we do get a Felix Leiter name drop, even if he's not in the movie. Yep, we do. Again, reminding us that they had Jeffrey Wright and they don't use him. Well, they didn't even have him for this one. No, he's not in. He hasn't been in the last two movies. I, he is he in, is he in No Time to Die? He better be. I don't know. I hope so. I mean, they've only really used him in one movie. <laughs> right. He is in No Time to Die. Okay, good. And you know they've got almost three hours, so surely he's going to have something important to do. We'll see. I mean, yeah, in that amount of time. Anyway, in this movie, Bond, yes, Bond goes to the meetup here. We should say this is the entire extent of Monica Bellucci's involvement in this movie. Yep, she's done. She's done. Bond goes to the various sepia-toned meeting place for, like, even (laughs) more sepia-toned than usual for this movie. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I don't mind the sepia-toned meeting place as as far as all the sepia-toned parts of the movie go, but... Yeah. And apparently they're, like, they just really want to show us that Spectre is, like, evil beyond evil. Because we learn that they're they're doing counterfeit counterfeit vaccines and human trafficking and... Well, I mean, this reminds me a lot of that scene in Thunderball. Yes. You know, when, when they're, you know, our consultation fee for the train robbery was this. And we introduced narcotics into the u.s this you know and how much money they made and this is this is straight out of specter's playbook really complete with not not showing us blofeld's face yeah (laughs) i'm surprised he doesn't have his cat with him although i guess that would give it away that he's blofeld and not Oberhauser. yeah i kind of i kind of wish that we saw him we saw the metal pull down door in front of his face or yeah Yeah, the, the the little weird <laughs> blinds thing that they had, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't push any buttons and nobody catches on fire or gets electrocuted in this boardroom, so it's kind of a dull boardroom. But Although, who needs that when you have Dave Bautista to show up? Yeah, so... <laughs> Dave Bautista. Yes. He, he is a decent actor, and he does as much as he can in this role, which doesn't have much, you know to do really other than just be big which he's good at i mean he has uh, one he has one whole line in the one movie. line it, like i feel like they're tr- <laughs> they're making him basically like they're trying to make him jaws yeah kind of but he doesn't while dave batista is a very impressive man he doesn't have the presence that uh now i'm blanking on the name the man who oh, played jaws does richard keel yeah he's not yeah. as big as richard keel no, no. as big as richard keel was no uh well, and I think that it doesn't help that Jaws was played for laughs as much as he was for the physicality and how scary he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dave Bautista shows up and gouges this guy's eyes out. And that's like our introduction to him. Yeah. So, but he does fall into that indestructible henchman archetype mm-hmm. that we've seen before. You know, the is his name Gobinda, I think, from uh, Octopussy. Or, uh... Or Odd Job. Or Odd Job, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's... Or, uh, Teehee. Oh, Teehee, yeah. Hey, Teehee was the best part of his movie. Yes, I agree. Teehee, Teehee is, is, yeah. 
I mean, that's a low bar. Uh, uh, <laughs> True. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway. Um, Dave Bautista, yeah, I, I, I feel like Dave Bautista was wasted in this role. He was. I mean, I don't, I, this might be the first thing I saw him in. Um, I don't you know. You haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy yet? <sighs> when did that come it came out? out the year before. Okay. I might not have at this point. I had kind of gotten bored of the Marvel films at one point, and, um, you know, I went, obviously I went back and it's probably my favorite of all the movies now. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, I was, uh... <laughs> You picked a hell of a time to get bored of the Marvel films right before <laughs> right before one of the best ones came I out. I think I dropped out before that. Uh, <laughs> does Dave Bautista have metal fingernails in this movie? Because, uh, like, in the scene where he looks like, like six fingers it. in the guy's it, eyes. They're either metal or he's wearing nail... Or he's just wearing silver nail polish. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, no, they're definitely metal of some kind. Yeah, yeah. All right, you know... Sometimes you just gotta be really good at eye gouging, man. Yep. But again, if he has metal fingernails, that just that's that just makes him even more of a cheap knockoff Jaws. Yep. What is this guy? Claws? <laughs> Who throws a shoe? Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Random task. <laughs> we'll get to those. We will. No, we'll have to watch those. And then like this is another case for me of these movies that make decisions for the audience that don't mm-hmm. make sense. Yes. Like, you keep Christoph Waltz's face in shadow until you can have the big reveal when it's revealed to be, oh, it's Christoph Waltz. Not, we don't know who this guy is. Yeah, Bond like that's... sort of knows who he is, but... Even Bond did, is did, not sure. Did, no, and did he go to all the trouble to obscure his face just on the off chance Bond was at the meeting? I don't think he was obscuring his face. I think it's just a camera angle doesn't let us see it. Okay. But, again, like, why? Because, like, if you notice, the scene where Dave Bautista sits down, mm-hmm. Blofeld's at the other end of the table, and his face is not actually in shadow. It's just very small, so you can't really see it. That's fair. So I think that was just a camera angle. Okay. Uh, implying to, to us that Bond couldn't see his face. Mm-hmm. Also, how did he know Bond was there? I don't know, cause, because the script said so. <laughs> I guess. Because, like, it, it definitely occurs to this like, suddenly he realizes, it, like, it, it appears as though he's suddenly realizing Bond is there, but how? Yeah, and he knew exactly where he was, too. Yeah. Because he's scary that way. All right, so then Bond runs away. Right, gets to his car. I, I enjoy how he doesn't have bullets in the gun. Yeah, I, I like all of these gags. Like, I... <laughs> He flips the atmosphere on, and, like, the, the radio comes on, he's like, oh, God, and he turns it off. <laughs> like, I think this car chase in general was a little bit boring, but I don't mind, I don't mind the jokes. Yeah, I could have done without the, just pushing the old guy in the Fiat part. Yeah, that, that yeah, that was unnecessary, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he tries the backfire thing, and there's no bullets in it. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, I, I, I like, when he, he's like, I hope the fire works, and it does. Yep. And it was kind of smart of him to jettison just as the car, you know, goes in the in the canal. That was smart. Make a... Okay, what is Dave Bautista's character's actual name? Hink? Hinks? Or something like that? I think? Some, it's it's weird. Oh, I'm looking at No Time to Die. That's why he's not showing up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mr. Hinks. I was right. 
Mr. Hanks. Yeah. Something's hanky about that. Well, what does that mean, Vix? Hanky. Oh, strange. Weird. Well, why don't you say strange or weird? I mean, hanky, that has no meaning. Well, we say hanky. I don't want you guys using words when I mean you got no meaning. I'm taking the stairs and walking. Yeah, so anyway, Mr. Hanks thinks that Bond is dead. Yeah. Not, not for the first or the last time. Well, not, no, no, this is the first time, but not for this the This is the first time. time we think he's dead, yeah. And Bond is definitely thinks that Blofeld might be the guy he knew as a kid. Right. Franz Oberhauser. Yeah, and who plays young Franz Oberhauser in that picture? Because he looks familiar. Hmm. Because I swear I've seen him before. It's not Christoph Waltz in that picture. No, it doesn't look like... I don't think Google was going to tell me, because Google was just like, it's Christoph Waltz. I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, right. <laughs> that doesn't help me. It doesn't tell me who played him, but it does tell me that it's the second Bond villain to be named Franz. <laughs> Very helpful. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's so useful. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. It looks like so in the photo uh, that they publish in the newspaper article about the death of mm-hmm. the that looks like a young Christoph Waltz to me. Does it? Oh, maybe yeah. it is. Okay. All right. Fine. Anyway. <laughs> We've spent too much time looking at that. We have, yeah. So now we have a meeting of the Nine Eyes. Uh Uh-huh. Is that a real thing? I don't think so. For being a secret organization or whatever, they have a really bad, like, secret balloting system where you just have the giant buttons and you can see who's voting yes and no. Yeah. (laughs) It even says it on the screen. I know, right? (laughs) Big red button, big green button. I enjoy how, during this whole scene... Tanner is looking at this news report and be like, yeah. <sighs> uh, we know who that is. 007. 007. <laughs> no one says that like Bernard Lee. Yeah, this is when he phones home and, oh, he's in Chelsea. Yeah, of course he is. Yeah. So, I like, yeah, Q looks at the screen, sees that Bond is in Austria, and then, of course, we cut to Bond, and it has to also tell us this is Austria. Right. <laughs> That's like later in the movie when we get the cut to London. and you Oh, I was going to mention that. And, and, the, and the I. And the House of it's... Parliament. And it's like, London. Gee, thanks. I'm at, glad at you least, pointed that out to me. At least it didn't say London, England. That's true. Hey, you know, it could have been Ontario. Yeah. <laughs> we made that joke two weeks ago. We did. Uh <laughs> Alright, so Bond is in Austria. He's found Mr. White's house. Yep. Mr. White is a little worse for wear. Yeah. Like, I don't... He didn't even come out of Quantum of Solace that badly. Like, I'm not quite sure what happened to Mr. White here. Didn't they say he has cancer or something? Do they? I think so. Okay. Well, that makes his... I didn't... I missed that, but that does make his suicide a little less galling. He sort of reminds me of John Hurt in this scene. He does, yeah. Because John Hurt made a career late in life playing somebody who looks like him. Uh. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so Bond, or Mr. White tells Bond that his daughter can show him how to find Spectre by showing him L'American. Right. Okay. Yep, and then he kills himself. Yeah. All right. I like I like this scene. It just yeah. doesn't make sense. 
it's just sort of a ignominious end for Mr. White. Like, I feel like it would have been better if Mr. White had been more involved and died, you know, yeah. sort of like, um, sort of like we got Mathis in Quantum of Solace. Sure. I think it would have been cooler if Mr. White was playing that sort of role. That would have worked. So then we have, we have M and C, and this is where M learns that C is spying on everyone, including him, including MI6 agents, because, you know. I as they go down the giant spiral staircase. Or go I'm sorry, go they go up the giant spiral staircase. Which definitely won't come up again. Nope. Alright. So now we get a nice little nod to On Her Majesty's Secret Service. I yeah. Think. I With agree. A health spa on the top of an Alp. And Bond doesn't like know it. it yet, but he's even tracking down Blofeld. So, you know, it it works. I I like it. Health health spa up in top of the mountain. Yeah. It works. This is probably also the least sepia section of the movie. Because of the snow? Yes. Yeah, maybe. It's still washed out, though. It is. Yeah, I don't know if that's just, you know, that's what modern movies look like, or... They don't have to, though. No. This is when we meet Madeline Swan for the first time. Yes. Who is Mr. White's daughter. Mm-hmm. Bond takes an interesting tact here, I think. A <laughs> little bit. You know, I'm going to pretend that I'm here for the health clinic, and then midway through the interview, I'm going to drop the bomb on you. Yeah, it's kind of odd. Yeah. She does not take well to this. No. And and then Q shows up. Yeah. Because he, you know, tracked him with the smart blood. So I guess I was wrong. The smart blood did play a role here. That's true. And Bond gives him the ring to analyze. Okay. Is yeah. this the only ring that has been worn by anybody ever, Inspector? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> do, like, every meeting, do they swap rings or something? This ring has the DNA of every major villain we've seen in the Craig era. Yep. Yes, it does. How? Mm. It. Yeah. But this is also where uh, Bond sees that uh, Mr. Hanks is abducting Madeline. Yep. And there's a nice scene where... There's a, another henchman is on the, on the, uh, I've forgotten the name of what you call these things. Cable car. That's it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the cable car with Q. Yep. So, like. Why is Q think... analyzing it on the cable car? Yeah, wouldn't you think Q would have waited until he got back to his hotel room to analyze the ring? <laughs> right? I mean, I know he's not used to being out in the field, but come on. Come on, Q. I'm trying to figure out where... Well, I guess Bond got the plane from the... You know, where one gets a plane. Sure. Yeah. And it's also really awesome that Q has his um, DNA analyzer dongle for his laptop right there in handy. You know, I always forget to bring mine with me. <sighs> I do... Yeah. The other henchman gets on board who looks like a, uh, a discount Jared Harris or something. He does look like a discount Jared Harris. <laughs> I mean, doesn't he? With a mustache? Yeah, no, you're not wrong. He looks like, um, I don't know, like, Jared Harris crossed with, um, Hugh Bonneville. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'll, I, I'll buy that. Bond is really lucky that he doesn't kill Madeline Swan when he, like, plays chicken with these cars. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, one of the cars blows up. So, we have the standard trope of bad guys can't shoot can't aim and good guys can because uh, i mean i guess he does hit the plane a couple times but he doesn't damage yeah. the plane in, in any meaningful way 
Whereas right. we get the scene later where Bond managed to, sh- to shoot the engine on the helicopter. Right. I mean, at least it takes a few shots to do that, but yeah. But still. Anyway, yeah. So this whole scene is... Eh? It's there. When he's when he drives the plane on the ground. Yeah. I don't know. It's... I mean, it's better than a boat. Sure. At least they're not doing a weird day for night or anything like that, but it's no. not... And at least the plane goes straight, like he doesn't turn the plane. Least, yes, he doesn't turn. <laughs> you know, you, I'd be more willing to believe that you could turn a plane that's sliding on snow than you could turn a boat that's... But anyway. He does turn a pl- turn the plane eventually to keep it from hitting the trees, but... But like with the flaps, I could see that happening a little bit, actually. But yes. Anyway, yeah, he manages not to hurt Madeline Swan. And they get away, but she's very mad at him. I, I would be mad at him too. Yeah, and we do get the we do get the scene where we find out that Dave Bautista is still alive because he twitches his hand and moves his head. Yep, thank goodness. And then we go to Hugh's hotel room where we learn that yes, every person inspector has touched this ring and like yeah. it's never been washed. Nope. Yeah, that doesn't. That's not a thing. Yeah. Like even even regardless, like how were the other how was the other DNA still readable after it had been you know on someone else's sweaty finger for a while? I mean, I guess DNA lingers for a while, but still. Yeah. And it's amazing. Like they should have had like four random people that we didn't know and never heard of and didn't care. Yeah, about. even Star Trek always throws in a couple names you never heard of when they're listing off. Yeah, people. <laughs> right. Anyway, uh, this is when we get a CNN news broadcast that's not by Wolf Blitzer this time. No. That there was a, a bombing in Cape Town because, you know, the South Africans were the ones who voted against C's plan. Indeed. So this is when we find out from Madeline that L'American is not a person, it's a place. Mm-hmm. It's a place in Tangier. Yeah, it's a hotel. Yep. So, guess where we go? We go to... L'Hotel American in Tangier. And, yeah, it's, it's what is it, L'Hotel de l'American? It, yeah, I guess. Something like that, yeah. it yeah. would be if it was... No, it just says Hotel l'American, which makes no sense, because that's not how you would say something in French. But anyway. No. L'Hotel uh, <laughs> <laughs> de l'American, you could do. But anyway... We go to the room. They're not really sure what to do. So he searches everywhere, doesn't see anything. And Madeline decides to get sure. drunk. Because why not? Yeah. And then all. And then yeah, we. The, the, as is so often here, we've gone from you know, an antagonistic to romantic relationship almost immediately. Well, it does take a little while, but still. Yeah. Man, I wish I had. I wish I had 007's charm. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Can't find the stationery. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I should try that sometime. I'm surprised you didn't... I didn't... You should try that line on her. <laughs> but yeah, her attitude towards Bond changes dramatically from the time that she gets drunk, passes out in the bed, somehow manages to put on her nightgown, and then... So, the house I grew up in had plaster walls. The house I live in now has plaster walls. Okay. You can't do that. No, you cannot. <laughs> also, like, just because there's a hole for a mouse doesn't mean there's a room behind there. <laughs> I know, right? Because 
The way plaster walls Bombs never see the mouse. The way plaster before. walls work, and the way walls non plaster walls work, <laughs> the way drywall works too is there's a cavity between yes. the wall on this side and the wall on the other side where there's room for lots of mice. <laughs> yeah. And if you spill your Heineken on the floor, it might run under there too if your floor is not straight. Yeah, I'm not sure what that proved at all. It proved that this movie is still brought to you by Heineken, is what that proved. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, if I were to punch my plaster wall, if I were to punch my plaster wall, nothing would happen to the wall and I would have bloody knuckles. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Plaster is hard. Uh, Very, it's very solid too. Yeah. One of the nice things about having plaster walls uh, is that you can, like, if you're hanging a poster, you can just Joe, your you can just Joe your screw in there. You don't have to look for a stud. Uh, nope. <laughs> I mean, if it's something really heavy, you do. But you know, like yeah. that, because plaster is very sturdy, and behind it is are a bunch of wood laths, which are in and of themselves not that sturdy. But when you know done up in a structure holding up a big sheet of plaster, pretty sturdy. Not something you can punch through. I mean, there weren't a lot of of. The, the lats, there weren't many of those, but still. No, there were, no, there were, it was a normal amount of lats. If you look at. Were there? Okay. if you look at the ones that are left there, there's, there's, like, a, if you look along the edges, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, there were a lot of, he just broke through all of them. And admittedly, the lats themselves are usually pretty chintzy. They're not very thick wood. Sure, yeah. But... I'm also impressed that he managed to just rip this hole in them when you see it from the other side. It's exactly where the door frame is. Yeah, that was convenient, wasn't it? <laughs> and it really was, because there's cinder blocks on either side. Imagine if you tried to punch through that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's not where the beer went, so... Yeah. So... But anyway, he gets into this room. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> so, d- does Mr. White just plaster this room up every time every time he goes there (laughs) it's an excellent question (laughs) that's a lot of work Uh, yeah does he do it himself or does he have a guy (laughs) i mean it is a skilled trade right plaster yeah it's not something i could do it's the reason it's the reason nobody uses plaster well one of many reasons people don't use plaster it's expensive uh yeah but yeah the labor yeah Yeah, the labor is itself is very expensive yeah if if i were to remodel my house it would i would replace all the plaster walls with drywall um yeah and then and then i wouldn't need three different wi-fi routers uh but yeah uh there's there's just a lot that doesn't make sense with this hidden room no i mean when i have my secret I mean, I guess this is sort of his office, because he has, like, that weird bulletin board of nothing but pictures of Madeline on mm-hmm. it. And a VHS copy of the interrogation of Esper Lind, because, of course, he has that. Right. Would that have been on VHS in 2006? Mm. Wouldn't it have been on DVD? You would think. Especially when Sony's sponsoring this mm-hmm. movie. You'd think Sony would have rules about there never being any VHS in any of their movies ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You must only use Betamax. <laughs> we are. It was the superior format. It was actually. Yeah, yeah. Where, where's Mister White's computer from? I don't know, but it's a thing to behold. 
It looks like the kind of thing that they set up those automated guns in Aliens. It looks like, and it looks like the cord that plugs into it, it looks like it has like an electrical outlet built into it. That's something that it's powering right. something else off it. Yeah, like, I mean, this looks like leftover airplane technology from the 80s. And you would have thought that he would have closed that lid, right? Before he would leave the room, you, rather than letting think. it sit out and yeah. get dusty. It has those toggle switches, and yeah, there's just... Yeah, that's a hell of a power cord. Yeah, actually, if you look at that, I'm not even sure how you would close that lid. Like, you'd have to unplug the power cord, certainly. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it packs up into one of those plastic boxes with the latches on it. Yeah, I guess there is space on the left side so the toggle switches can go inside the lid. Yep. But, yeah, no, this is like something you'd see in, like, in, like, an abandoned Russian nuclear silo or something. Yeah, yeah, that's what you put the launch key into. Yeah, but... Yeah, we find coordinates to a patch of nowhere in the desert. Yep. That thankfully has a train that goes there. And we still have an hour of this movie left. We do. But we have to go back and see C again, because he got his vote to get his... Shocking. No one saw that coming. Alright, so now we're on the train. Bond is trying to show Madeline how to use a gun, and she shows that she knows how to use a gun. Mm -hmm. Because she killed assassins that went after her father when she was a kid. A cool little moment there. Yeah. So, before that, yeah. Bond is walking the corridors, and he passes a guy that works for the train, and he hands him his suit and says, press that. Do trains do laundry service now? Maybe anymore? fancy like, trains ever? do laundry service. Do, I mean, I've only been on Amtrak. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't think Amtrak does laundry service. No. Ever. They may have, like, in the 50s or something. Like, is this the is this the Orient Express or something? <laughs> like, but yeah. I don't know, that, that always that struck me as odd when I was watching it yesterday. Yeah, when I try to Google laundry training service, train laundry service, I just get training for how to, you know, do <laughs> housekeeping. Uh, no. Money, Penny, and Q find M in exactly the type of restaurant I'd expect a... Uh, Rafe finds M to be hanging out in. Oh yeah, absolutely. And they f- find out that there's something in you know from the satellite where Bond is going, but M wants nothing to do with this, and says to delete the smart blood because he doesn't want C to find out. I can't out. even find like internet forum threads where people ask if you can get laundry done on a train, which leads me to believe that you cannot, in fact, get laundry done. On a train. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Sorry. Rabbit hole there. Yep. But yes, no, this is absolutely the sort of place that you would find M in. Uh, yep. And he tells them to get rid of everything because so, they can't help Bond or, the, or Bond will be discovered. Yep. Alright, so now, I mean, they have to dress up really fancy for dinner. So this sort of train may do laundry service. Because I have certainly never been on a train where I had to wear white tie to dinner. No. I don't think they're... He's not wearing white... He's not wearing white tie, but... Okay, he's wearing black tie, but still. <laughs> yeah. A white tuxedo. Yeah, I have never had to wear a tuxedo into the dining car on an Amtrak train. No. I don't even... They don't even have dining cars on most Amtrak trains anymore. <laughs> no, not anymore. <laughs> I'm just gonna make a very superficial comment here. I think both of them are wearing the hell out of these outfits. Oh, absolutely. I want to know where she got her hair done on the train. Probably next to where you get your yeah, laundry Yeah, I'm done. sure. There's... The beautician car. But this is this is where I... Where did this version of Madeline Swan come from? <laughs> I know, right? And did she 
have that dress with her the whole time? I she brought it with her while they were escaping from Mr. Hanks in the snow. I guess. Like like she hasn't been home. I mean, I, for that matter, I guess Bond brought his tuxedo with him. I, it... I would believe that Bond has a travel tuxedo. Sure. And he could have gone to the hotel yeah. where he was staying. Um, they get their martinis. Two dirty martinis. Wow, chicka, wow, wow. Yeah. Well, he's like, do you want to get an aperitif? And she's like, that usually gets me into trouble. So she orders some martini. And then she says, dirty. In a very dirty. suggestive manner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately... Their uh, attempt at a romantic interlude is rudely interrupted. We get the nice reflection in the cloche here. Yes, and I lo- as we have said before, I love a good train fight. Yeah. Where did everyone else go? That is an excellent question. There were a bunch <laughs> of other people in this car a minute yes. ago. Yes, and then Mr. Hanks shows up and there's nobody else on this train. They even go to the other car and there's nobody there. Yeah, I- and I like how... I do enjoy that Hanks' final word is shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess we're led to believe he is dead at this point. I guess. Although we don't know this for sure. I'll watch him show up in No Time to Die. I'd be okay with Dave Bautista showing Dave up. Dave Bautista is like the Bond villain in No Time to Die. <laughs> you left me for dead on the side of a train. <laughs> Rami Malek is just a, a throwaway. No, Rami Malek is Dave Bautista in a mask. Oh, that. Uh, <laughs> a very convincing mask. I'm I'm imagining like the end of Cronenberg's The Fly when like Rami Malek's back like splits open and Dave Bautista comes out. <laughs> that's the only way you can get Dave Bautista inside a Rami Malek suit. <laughs> That's, yeah, that's something else. So, after Bond kills Dave Bautista, then he and Madeline make Bula Loop. Yep, because nothing brings two people together, like, almost dying. So, that's a trope that happens in movies and books all the time. And having never almost died with someone, I can't tell you how accurate it is. I guess it would depend on who it was, but sure. Like, I I have not yet had that, had the experience of having someone try to assassinate me on the train while I'm with a beautiful woman. Maybe (laughs) if that happened, it would. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I do, it is a funny... It, it, I remember it made me laugh in the theater when they're like, what do we do right. now? And then they cut yeah. to them, in you know, getting it on in the train car. All right, so then they're dropped off in the middle of the desert. Yep. In yet more clothes. Yeah. And Bond is wearing this weird tie. Like, it's, it's this weird, like, textured almost towel fabric. Uh-huh. And it's, it's short, and it it's just odd. I mean, I like that he had the forethought to get that tan suit which is probably good attire for this climate but yeah you know i mentioned before we started recording it remi- that his tie reminds me of those old square ties those knit ties that people used to wear well, that's, yeah that, i think that's what it is it looks like a knit tie but it but it has a point on it well, yeah but so. i think it is a knit tie yeah it's odd i guess they did come back briefly another weird touch you know blofeld sends this chauffeur with this 1940s rolls royce to take them to the 1948 Rolls-Royce Silver Wraith, because of course Bond knows that. Yep, because he knows all things. Actually, I is that a reference? Because I know Bond has a Rolls-Royce in the in the in the books. 
He's a Bentley. You're right, it is a Bentley. You're right. Never mind. Goldfinger drove a Rolls Royce. Yes, he did. But with I don't that think completely non economical gold smuggling. Yeah. <laughs> it still makes no sense. No. So you'd think, okay, if I almost feel like Blofeld would be the kind of person that would make the car that would like have a have something that would spray off the car as soon as it entered his ground so it wouldn't be dusty when it pulled up. <laughs> It, it needs to drive through those sprinklers that they have going on the lawn. Yeah. Yeah. And Bond has to turn over his gun onto the silver tray. Yeah. And he says, careful, it's loaded. And he, like, says the word in such a way that it's, like, that's supposed to be a joke. But how is that a joke? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so, as far as Bond villain lair things go, I don't mind this. It just doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And, like, I appreciate... A little bit, this reminds me of Dr. No, where they get put in their separate little rooms. and But then, you know, Bond has the photo of him and Oberhauser, or, or it looks like a painting. And then Madeline has the photo of her and Mr. White. Yeah. And again, I'm going to be superficial here, so I apologize to people. Mm-hmm. I've always thought this dress looks really weird yes, on her. Yes, I agree. It's just an odd dress. It, it's, yeah, it's... The pattern and then the way it's like opaque in spots, it it just it's it's it just looks weird, and that's all. Yeah, I'm gonna I say would about agree that. with that. Okay, and we're gonna meet. And now we the mystery guy in the observatory for reasons. And we'll we'll see the we'll see the oldest meteorite in human possession. Cool. That meteorite would have made a bigger crater. Yeah, that meteorite is freaking huge as far as <laughs> meteorites go. Yes. yes, it would have made yeah. a much bigger. That thing would have would have you know. That wiped out the dinosaurs. Oh, that one was bigger. Um, that was bigger. No, I know, but it would have it would have wiped out a yeah. lot of land mm-hmm. there. And I feel like if you've got your facility in the desert, you may not want to have so many giant windows. Like that's got to be bad for the you know environmental systems. You would think for heating and cooling, it's probably yeah. That's hard. that's a so it's not a lead certified building. Probably not. That's what no. you're saying. Okay. <laughs> And now we have, we go to uh, a room reminiscent of Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, yeah, with all the computers and Yeah, monitoring stuff. everything in the world, yeah. Yep. And then, okay, we get this... Yeah. Oh, well, okay. I mean, it's interesting how they're watching M's little goodbye speech mm. at MI6. And then you get this long monologue from Christoph Waltz here about, you know, I'm the author of all your pain and all this... This is such bullshit. I'm sorry. Like, he had nothing to do with M getting killed. Nope. He had nothing to do with Vesper Lind getting killed. Nope. He had nothing to do... I... Okay. You know, we... We... we, Or I ranted, I guess, about the connection between Quantum and Spectre. Let's leave that aside. I could understand if he's the Umbrella organization having something to do with Le having something to do with Dominic Green, perhaps. He had no connection to Silva whatsoever. Nope. No, Silva was doing his own thing. Silva was doing his own thing independent of the people that were working for Silva most of the time, I think. Like, no. (laughs) This is just like a garbage way of trying to tie everything together to this guy who is mad because his dad spent more time with Bond than him. Yeah, kinda. What? What? I mean, first of all, Blofeld does not need an origin story. (laughs) No. I mean, we get that dramatic reveal that his name is now Ernst Stavro Blofeld. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, it was... The whole thing is just... Yeah. 
sort of it's it's Star Trek Into Darkness all over again. At least that's done better. It's not said in a way that it's supposed to mean something. I guess. But it's still bad. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I just the, the this is like everything that happens at Blofeld's lair is like my my least favorite part of the movie. Well, everything that happens after from the time they get to Blofeld's lair to the end of the movie is kind of my least favorite part of the I movie. I feel like the, the the end is better than this part. Also, yeah. why is Blofeld not wearing socks? Because <laughs> he's weird. <laughs> I mean, here we have Christoph Waltz doing his Christoph Waltz thing. I mean, I guess that's why you hire him. I guess. Like, his pants are way too short, and he's not wearing socks. Yeah, way too short, and he's not wearing socks. <laughs> like, what? I didn't really notice it until he sits down in that yeah. chair. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not great. But all right, so we see the we see the cat. We know, yeah, we know yep. what what's going on here now, and yep. Then Blofeld is giving Bond brain damage because why? Because he wants to, even though it's not really because he's fine. Like yeah, so that's the other freaking thing with this is he <laughs> sticks a needle into Bond's brain, but it apparently doesn't impair Bond in any way. No. <laughs> Yeah. Who built this thing that Bond's Excellent in? Excellent question. I, I'll give them a tiny ounce of credit because at one point he mentions drilling into the fusiform gyrus and that would make it so he doesn't recognize anybody's face, which is actually true. Yes. That is that part. That is the part of the brain that is involved in facial recognition and it sort of is where he's drilling. Man, that would have made the rest of this movie so fascinating if he had done that. Yeah. That would have been cool. Instead... No, he just stuck a needle in his brain. No big deal. Twice. Yeah. Didn't matter. Didn't do anything. Nope. It's fine. This whole scene is there to make you squirm because the sound is quite hard to listen to at times. Of him getting his skull drilled into. And he gets away with the explosive watch from Q. Yeah. The alarm's a little bit loud. Just a bit. I like how yeah. um, uh, Blofeld turns and looks at the watch for a couple seconds before it explodes. Like, huh. And then... Something causes the whole building to explode? Yeah, that's so dumb. Like, why did the whole building explode? Does it run on hydrogen fuel cells, too? <laughs> it's in the desert. Yeah, but we saw so... solar panels. Yeah. Hydrogen fuel cells. <laughs> Alright, so, yeah. The, whole bu- the building explodes, Bond and Madeline get away in the helicopter, and we cut to Here, the help... Here's another example, of, though, going back to your point earlier about bad guys can't shoot and good guys can like he goes out with the machine gun and like takes out the three guys up yes. on the hill with like three shots yes yes he does <laughs> and then they yeah that's when they stop and look back and the whole thing blows up yeah and now we cut to that scene of the london skyline that is clearly london yeah. with big ben and the and the eye and the thames and tower yep. bridge and oh we have to let london. us know it's london <laughs> now i do like the in-joke here of M goes to a building that says Hildebrand Prince and Rarities on it. And the Hildebrand Rarity is one of the few titles left in Fleming that yes. has not been used in a story. And I like, I enjoy the line there where uh, Tanner says, I'd never heard of Hildebrand. And M says, that's the general idea with safe houses. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also like the how safe are we? Well, I'll let you know. And then he opens it up and bonds there. It's safe. <laughs> it's safe. Yep. <laughs> So how did Bond let them know he was there? I don't think he did. Uh, Bond just knew that they would be there? 
I don't, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, they have the plan. Bond and M are going to go talk to C. And mm-hmm. meanwhile, Q is going to hack in and stop the evil computer software. Yep. But meanwhile, Madeline is like, I can't get back involved in this kind of thing. I'm leaving. If... And Bond doesn't really care. Not really. No. I mean, he cares enough. I mean, they because they've, they've set up such a deep romantic and emotional attachment between these two through the course of the movie. Well, I mean, he will care, though, because he's going to, you know, search the whole building for her in a little bit. Yeah. Anyway. But, I mean, that's just Bond with every... Oh, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, no. that's hardly a crime, a sin that's unique to this movie. It, it's not, but they've... By the end of the movie, you're led to believe that this is the woman that he's going to give up his career for. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> I feel like the only time the only time that actually worked is um, in Honor Majesty's Secret Service and Casino Royale. Yeah, right. None of the other times it ever that did that ever work. Well, was there other times other than this one where they tried to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. But like, yeah, we definitely didn't see a buildup of a relationship with them. Not like no. in those other two movies I mentioned. No. And that's not a knock on Madeline Swan because I think she's a perfectly capable character in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have, re- I really don't have any problems with her at all. It's they didn't lay the groundwork for this. Yeah, and you know, it seems rather arbitrary by the end of it. So as they're heading to where they need to go, there's a roadblock and they turn down a tunnel, and you can tell Bond immediately knows something's up because he's like looking back yep. at that, like, huh? Yep. I will say, having only seen this movie twice, this this. Caught me off guard, though, when they get rear-ended, or T-boned into the wall. Yeah, like, I knew something was going to happen. Like, I did, I knew something was going to happen, but I didn't expect it when it happened. And, of course, they're going to take Bond, because, of course. Yeah. And I, I like how M plays dead and then manages to get yeah. away quite quickly. Yeah. I don't know how he got to where he went to. Yeah, but... that was impressive. Because that was uh-huh. he only had a few seconds to do that. And he's, like, really far away, too. Like, yeah. dang, he sprinted. But anyway, <laughs> as convenient that M manages to catch up with Q, with Q and Moneypenny as quickly as he does. Right. Yep. And but here's another thing that's just dumb. Like they're they're trying to get Bond into the building. Okay, Bond breaking out of then, that zip tie. No. No, that's not how that works. I can believe that Bond, the trained MI6 killer, was able to kill both of those kill both of them while blindfolded. I can believe that. Yes. I can't believe him just going and breaking the zip tie. That's no. No, that no. No, no, no. No, that that caused him more injury than anything. Yeah. And we just now we get these parallel scenes here between M and C, which I'm fine with. Yeah. You get that little back and forth about, you know, this is what M stands for moron and he has the gun and C goes to shoot M and there's no bullets yes. in it and M shows him Which the is a nice little says, yeah, a nice little callback to Casino yeah. Royale. Yeah. Uh, so when Bond goes into the old MI6 headquarters, we see uh-huh. the wall of names. And I was look yep. I paused on that to look I'm like I, there's got to be some in jokes here, but I couldn't find any. No, I was hoping to see M's name. Yeah. Well, why would but, no, not I, M's I, name wouldn't be on there? I guess not because they blew it up and they left before she died. I was looking for Silva because they said his name was on there. It wasn't. Yep. Or, like, Alec Trevelyan Yes, or I was hoping Alec Trevelyan, yes. Yeah. But none of these yeah. were names I recognized. Maybe they're, like, people who worked on the movie. I don't know who they are, but none of them were in-jokes in the franchise. Which, for a movie that has a bunch of in-jokes, mm-hmm. I'm surprised. So, interestingly enough, this movie 
almost didn't have any in jokes mm. and they 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 brought purvis and wade in at the 11th hour to add the in jokes oh really yes. huh interesting yes i thought so huh because logan is not one to shy away from in jokes so that surprises me yeah i don't know because unless he did them unless purvis and wade did them in skyfall and there's plenty of in jokes in uh star trek nemesis that john logan wrote so uh yeah star trek nemesis uh which would you rather watch this or star trek nemesis probably star trek nemesis actually (laughs) i was about to say probably specter (laughs) oh really okay (laughs) (laughs) this like why go to all this trouble like yeah. Because, like, they rip, they were, like, ripping off Saw or something. Yeah, here. that's put, basically like... what this is. Yeah. <laughs> they, like, put all the photos of all the people except Matthew America because they couldn't get his picture or something. The spider bullet holes are, is a nice touch, though. Yes. I do like that. Yeah. And then, of course, you get the scar. But, like, why is M even there? Is it implying that M was also somehow working for <laughs> Spectre? <laughs> yeah. Like, because Vesper Lind was working for them, albeit, you know, under duress. I mean, right. But M? <laughs> Why is she there? Well, because he's claiming that he killed her, you know. I guess. This reminds me, and I think I mentioned this when it came out, um, the disappointment of The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, boy. Where it's like, Emperor Palpatine is behind everything. You know, I got such a serious Spectre vibe. I would argue happened. this movie at least makes more sense than... Is more coherent than Rise of Skywalker. Well, yes, because Blofeld hasn't been dead since three movies ago. Yeah, and we didn't find ancient, an ancient artifact that leads us to something that was only been there for forty years. Yeah, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. (laughs) I've I've not seen that since the theater, and I'm okay with it. Uh, Yeah, this is a long three minutes. The yeah. So, yeah, Bond and Blofeld have a showdown. We get to see Blofeld's famous scar. Although, yep. how famous is it when it's not always there? Nope. It's the Donald Pleasant scar. Because Telly Savalas did not have a scar. No, he just had no earlobes, but he cut those off himself. Yes, he did. Man, they should have made Christoph Waltz cut off his earlobes. <laughs> <laughs> There's an episode title for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so yeah, Bond is running around, and I think he finally realizes, oh, he finally thinks, oh, she's probably at the very top of the building, which would have made sense from the beginning to, yeah, check there, but yep. But I do enjoy, yeah, M and C have their confrontation. Oh, oh so I have a question for you, mm-hmm. since you're you're the computer tech person. Yep. When you delete something, is there a dialogue box that pops up that says system eradicated? No, but if I had a really <laughs> dramatic computer, it might. <laughs> You know, I just found that amusing. That's all. I I, I enjoy like how... system disabled. I can see because it's saying, "Hey, there's a problem. You should fix it." Yeah, I enjoy M and C's fight, and I I like how C dies a la uh, Hans Gruber. Yeah, all the way down that spiral staircase. And I sort of appreciate that M didn't kill him. Yeah, yeah, and I like how Tanner's like he's dead. Like no crap. <laughs> Thanks, Tanner. <laughs> like. No one would have survived that, except maybe Alec Trevelyan. <laughs> <laughs> Only so he can get impaled by the right. something, the sign or something later. 
We have Chekhov's hole in the ground. Yes. And I, I also, <laughs> like when Mo- Money Penny is like, no, but I can hazard a guess where Bond is. Yeah. <laughs> and you see the lights shining in the MI6 yep. headquarters. Yep. So, all right. Had they, like, set up the wiring to explode it and then just, like, decided to leave it for a while for some reason? That's what it, the implication seems to be. Like, why? Because that, because that's dumb. Yeah, like, why would that's you... Da- that's dangerous. Yeah, what? If you're gonna do it, you would set it up and then you would do it. You wouldn't just let it sit there. Right. Because <laughs> it was clearly a controlled explosion that was already set up. Yeah, the, all the charges are in the wall and everything. But he... I mean, they implode the building for the most part. Yep. He... And... And Bond manages to escape and Q's boat. Yep. And this is where, yeah, it takes him a couple shots, but yeah, he shoots that helicopter engine. Yep. Which is on the top of the helicopter that's speeding away from him. Like, that's a long distance. That would be a tricky shot to make with, a, with like, a sniper rifle, much less a pistol. Yeah. I mean, he's more likely to hit one of the cars on the bridge. Yes. <laughs> than, yeah. But anyway, the, the helicopter crashes on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Blofeld drags himself away. The Got a leg problem. Bond doesn't kill him. Nope. Bond chooses to walk away. Yep. And that's what... Yeah, so he's now gonna be... Which means he's gonna come back in the next movie. Yep. Well, you don't kill Blofeld. Well, sure. He's like Davros. You never really kill him anyway. Yeah. Except when you drop him down a smokestack. I'm actually... uh, I'm actually getting a bit of um, a mission... At the end of here, I'm getting a bit of a Mission Impossible... uh, I think it was 5 vibe. Where they're like... They capture the big bad at the end, and then he's, you know... Mm-hmm. And then he escapes in the next one. Yep. I bet he escapes. Yeah, yeah. I bet it's going to be the exact same thing. But Mission Impossible 5 was a much better movie than this. Yes, it was. And, you know, he... Bond walks away with, with the girl. And you get that weird, like, fade out, so you think the movie's over. But then you have Bond coming in and talking to Q to pick up his car. Yep. And now the movie's over. Now the movie's over. Thank now God. Now that he's in his DB5. So yeah, I did not so, hate this as much as I thought. Um, nope, I still don't Nor did I. really like it. It's no, but okay. I, I after and you know, Skyfall is I've waffled on Skyfall, but when it came out, I was really into it. And you know, to follow up Skyfall with this, yeah, I think was what was the most disappointing. It takes a lot disappointing for, for me. me to be disappointed with a movie in the theater. I'm usually when I walk, when I go to a theater, I usually really enjoy a movie. It's only I usually think about it later. I'm like, mm, maybe that wasn't so good. Like I liked yeah. Re- Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith in the theater. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't now, uh, but I okay. liked it then. Uh, <laughs> I didn't like Rise of Skywalker, but uh, <laughs> no, and I didn't like this. Um, I liked Star Trek Into Darkness the first time I saw it in the theater. Yeah, I've you know changed on that opinion since, but um, mm-hmm. like. That, that's what I'm saying. It takes a lot for me not to like a movie when I see it in the theater. This is one of them where I was just sort of like, this is... No. I'm like, I'm not... I, wa- I wasn't entertained. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, I don't know, maybe halfway through it, I'm like, I'm not digging this movie. Yeah. And and then it got worse. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I mentioned before, I, I, don't, I don't need James Bond to have a crisis of... A personal crisis and decide whether he wants to stick around and do his job or not. That's not what I go to a Bond movie for. Um... Yeah, but yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't hate it with the fire of a thousand suns like I keep claiming I did before we got to see this movie. Yeah, so, same. I uh, was definitely expecting to like just despise this movie, and no, I, I yeah don't like it, but it's not great, but it's not terrible. Right. 
Uh, I mean, we, we know there's another movie coming. We don't know when, yeah. really. Uh, hopefully, it'll be better than this, and we can you know not have this be the last movie. Yeah, I mean, this is not as bad as anything from the Mankiewicz era. Oh, absolutely not. No. No, this is just boring. Yeah. Way back when, or not way back when, but a couple couple weeks ago, we were trying to, we were comparing all these movies to the Brosnan movies and we said that Spectre was the Die Another Day, but Die Another Day is so much more entertaining. Yeah, I would absolutely <laughs> rather watch Die Another Day than yeah. this movie. Die Another Day is yeah. terrible, but it's fun. This is yeah. just meh. Yeah. But the other ones the other ones work out well. Goldeneye and Casino Royale match up and yep. yeah. Yeah, Skyfall and yeah. World's Not Enough are both fun. Yeah. Yeah. And underrated, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, well, I guess I Skyfall's so. not underrated. A lot of people like that one. And uh, Quantum of Solace is just sort of there. Yeah. I like it. It has moments. I think we both liked it, but yeah. All right. So we've reached the end of our all the Bond films, the, the official Bond films. But we will be back next week with Never Say Never Again. Indeed. Because <laughs> that's the only other real Bond film, <laughs> like it's. I mean, it's almost it's it's le- it's more real than Casino Royale from 1967, right? Which we will also be watching, but Never Say yes. Never Again is like the is the logical next movie. <laughs> and you've seen Never Say Never Again. I have. It's been. Have you seen? A have you seen Casino Royale? T- I've seen Casino Royale too. Uh, it's okay. been a long time since I saw <laughs> Never Say Never Again. Uh, it's been a while since I saw Casino Royale. I do not recall it as being good at all uh <laughs> yeah it it has some memorable moments but it's not a movie and that's i'm just period <laughs> it, it's it's a mess i don't recall what the final like evil master plan was but i remember it being insane yep uh <laughs> i'm looking uh, but never say never again I don't think I hated. So I'm actually looking for... And that one has uh, Rowan Atkinson in it too, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, and I... Speaking of him, we should also do the the uh, Johnny English movies. Oh, I haven't seen those in forever. I mean, if we're doing Austin Powers, we should do Johnny English. I guess so, yeah. All right. Yeah, Rowan Atkinson plays Small Fawcett. <laughs> in, uh... That's his... Well, his last name. It's, it's Nigel Small Fawcett, but... <laughs> Sounds like a name from Austin Powers. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to us this week. If you would like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at Podspiel, or you can send us an email at spielpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Listening to Film. And you can find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. That this is the end for now of the Eon Productions Bond films. Indeed. But as we said, you know, License to Spiel goes on. And, and someday, we... 20 years from now, we'll get to watch No Time to Die. <laughs> yes. Four, four Bond actors later, we'll get to see there's Yeah, there's the, no the, they'll, like, someone, they'll have digitally altered it so that like it's a different actor in Daniel Craig's place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I mean, it's it's so far in the in the future that we've gone back in time and we have Sean Connery playing James Bond again next week. So, <laughs> yes, look forward to that. Yeah, as License to Spiel returns with Never Say Never Again. <laughs> <laughs>